You're listening to the West Conroe Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on West Conroe, please visit our website at wcbc.us. God tells us that we are to seek justice for those who don't have the capability to seek justice for themselves, to those who are the most vulnerable, to those who are the most in, in the most precarious situations. And the Bible tells us that as we do that, we are practicing true righteousness. Let's stand together and let's read this passage in Ephesians chapter 1 beginning in verse 3. Paul writes to the church there in Ephesus and says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. Please be seated. You know, everybody loves great rescue stories. And we had one of the greatest rescue stories happen last year, at least in the 21st century, maybe in the last couple of hundred years. Most of you heard this story about the 12 junior high school boys on a, on a ball team that were trapped in Tamlang, Thailand. They were out with their 25-year-old assistant coach, ball coach, and uh, they were on a, just an exploration day, goofing off and exploring some caves on the coastline, and they got into a cave and went pretty deep back in that cave. All during the while they were inside, it was pouring, drenching, rain and the tide was rising outside and it trapped them inside the cave. The story got worse because the rains continued and the monsoon season was going to be setting in in just a couple of weeks that would make it almost impossible to reach those boys. The eyes of the world converged on those caves Tens of thousands of rescue workers came from all over the world to try to find the boys and then try to figure out how to get them out. They went in that cave on June 23rd, last year, 2018. They were discovered on July the 2nd, eight days later. They had been trapped in the cave, no water, no food, no light for eight days. They were found in 
a far recessed cave almost by accident. Teams of divers, specialty uh, naval divers and rescue divers were all looking and they were looking in these caves and, and uh, trying to go through these, you know, maze of caves. And one of the divers said, by accident, we came up in a cave, a rather small cave, and we came up above water and suddenly we realized there were 12 sets or 13 sets of eyeballs looking at us. They began to pump air into the cave so the boys could have fresh air. They, they stretched a rope, literally, from the cave back outside, and they began to use that as a guide to bring in food and water while they tried to figure out how to get the boys out. All the while, the clock was ticking on the monsoon rains that if they set in, would make it virtually impossible. They had to bring the boys out stages at a time to get them to air pockets where they could surface and get more air and come back out. It wasn't until July the 8th, almost 16 days later, was 16 days later, that the first boy emerged from the cave. It took two more days to get the rest out until finally the last boy and the assistant coach came out on July 10th. What an amazing rescue story, but there's even more to the story that involves or is connected to at least Wes Conroe. One of our members and his wife, Henry and Mabel Ng, they're in China today uh, or Hong Kong, so I wish they were here. But Henry literally sent me this story just a week ago. And he was asking prayer for his missionary brother-in-law. His missionary brother-in-law and his sister became missionaries back in the 1970s. He was a medical doctor. And they became missionaries in Taiwan. And one day, one of the folks in their church that they planted in Taiwan or Thailand, I'm sorry, came into uh, their service with a little teenage boy or adolescent boy. Come to find out this little boy was a juvenile delinquent. He was a problem causer. But they said, God has spoken to our hearts. We're going to adopt this little boy. And they did adopt him. That little boy was discipled in this, their, his newfound Christian home and in this church, and before long, he gave his life to Christ. He grew up to become a missionary himself in Taiwan, and then one day, he met another little boy that he decided he was going to adopt. This little boy was one of the lost children of Burma, who was, because of all the political uprisings and everything, had just been disassociated with their families, lost their families, lost their homes. And, and he and his wife found this little boy and decided they were going to adopt him. This little boy was one of the 12 ball players trapped in the cave. As he had grown up in his missionary mom and dad's house, he had learned to speak English. If you read up on the story of the 
the 12 boys trapped in the cave, after they got out, as an act of thanksgiving, 11 of those boys were Buddhist, and their families dedicated them to a Buddhist monastery for a month as an act of thanksgiving to Buddha for saving them. But one little boy was Christian boy, and that was this young man. He was the only boy in there that spoke English, and so he could tell the divers exactly what they needed to survive. Isn't God a great God? God is a great rescuer. And one of the things that the Apostle Paul was telling the church in Ephesus here in this passage and says to us today is that there was a day There was a day in every one of our lives here this morning when we were orphans, creatures of God, created by the Heavenly Father, loved supremely, but we were separated from our family because all of us, the Bible says, have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and when we did, it separated us from God's will for our life. The Father who created us and the Father who loved us lost us because we disobeyed Him. And we were separated from Him. We were orphans. We were in need of a home. We were in need of a family. And the Apostle Paul tells the church in Ephesus that in Christ, through Christ, we are redeemed and we are rescued back to the family of God. Look at verse 5. Paul said, From the beginning, this was God's plan. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. Listen, before you were born, before your parents were born, before your grandparents were formed, before the United States was formed, before the universe was formed, God already had a plan for your life. Now, let let me speak to you very personally here today because some of you may be here and you say, Pastor, I... I don't really not, I'm not sure about a relationship with God. I don't know if I have a personal relationship with God. Let me tell you, before the foundation of this universe, God already knew who you were. And God already loved you. And it has been the will and the intention of God from before the foundation of this world that you be his son or his daughter. He wants you to be a part of his family. Paul told the Colossians in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, that Jesus Christ has rescued us from darkness and death into light and life. He tells them, he says, for it was he, it was Jesus, who delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. God God bought you and me back. He bought us back. The Bible uses the word redeemed. And it literally means to buy back a slave. Now, when I hear the word redeem, I think of S&H green stamps. <laughs> Any of you remember S&H green stamps? So for those of you young'uns out there who don't remember what that was, S&H green stamps was a, literally a little, looked like a, a miniature postage stamp. And every time you checked out the grocery store, you got so many green stamps. 
Now, I have to tell you, Laura Sue Gross, my mother, was an avid believer in S&H green stamps. She kept care, don't you, don't you sneak off with one of her stamp books. I used to remember getting those stamp books at Spears Grocery Store in Groves where we, we shopped. It was just right behind our house. And uh, those little stamp books are a little bit bigger than your hand. And there were rows of, I don't remember how many exact stamps there were per page. But, but we, we, we'd go to the store and, and we'd get back and, and mama would let me stick the, uh, lick the stamp. Probably not the healthiest thing. But I would lick the stamps and stick them in the stamp book. And then when the stamp books got full, here was the neat thing. You took that stamp book full of stamps and you went to the S&H green stamp store. And you could trade those books in for stuff. <laughs> neat stuff. I mean, they even had baseball gloves and baseballs and, you know, toasters, whatever. It was like going into Santa's Wonderland with no money. Green stamps. But you went in and you redeemed your stamp books. Let me tell you something. God's got a lot greater redemption plan than S&H green stamps. He paid the price for you. Though we were orphaned, we were separated from our Father. We're on a path of destruction. We're on a path of eternal separation. God paid a price. A billion, jillion times more valuable than green stamps. He paid the price of his son's blood to buy you back and buy me back. And I want to tell you, if you're sitting here today and you're not sure about that relationship with God, I wouldn't walk out of this building today without getting that settled. To know that a God has loved me from the foundation of the world. And he planned before I ever arrived on the scene to pay the price to win me back to himself. And to buy him back to his family. So when we talk about orphans this morning, I want you to understand every one of us, every one of us, apart from Christ, are spiritual orphans, eternal orphans. But God made a plan. And so when it comes to the orphan in our worlds today and the foster children in our world today, you and I, the church, is to be God's agent to rescue them. All throughout the Bible, the Bible over and over and over speaks about our responsibility to minister, to take care of, to watch after, to look out for the orphan, those who have no parental guidance in their life. And I, in, the, in, the, in the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, listen to what he says. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless, the cruel. Defend the orphan and plead for the widow. See, God tells us that we are to seek justice for those who don't have the capability to seek justice for themselves, to so those who are the most vulnerable, to those who are the most in, in the most precarious situations. And the Bible tells us that 
As we do that, we are practicing true righteousness. You know this verse in James chapter 1, verse 27. James says, true and undefiled religion in the sight of God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Religion is the way we live out our righteousness. And it involves a whole lot more than checking off a box that you were at church this Sunday. And James says one of the truest, purest forms of walking in righteousness is to take care of the orphans and those who can't take care of themselves. As I said, we've been involved in a lot of orphan care and foster care ministries over the past, I don't know how many years. But we have some representatives from a couple of ministries here today that I want you to meet, and I want you to hear from them. I want you to hear a little bit about what they're doing. I want you to hear about the need that is out there that you and I probably don't see every day, but it is all around us. And there are children, there are young people who are drowning in hopelessness unless somebody steps in and begins to help them. One of those folks is Craig Charbonnet. Craig is with Hope's Path, a great ministry right here in the woodlands. Craig, where are you? There you are. Come on up here. You switch seats on me. Yeah, give him a hand. So, Craig, it's, it's a joy to have you all here, and, and it's a great joy to partner with Hope's Path. We've been supporting Hope's Path for a while now. And uh, so I want you to tell our folks, first of all, tell them what, what is Hope's Path? Well, first of all, thank you all for allowing us to come and introduce ourselves to you all. Jay's familiar, familiar with us because he, he was on our board for a short period of time before he just got too busy. But uh, we love Jay, and uh, we, uh, we know you guys love him too. He's been, he's a great, he was a great uh, partner with us as we got started with Hope's Path. Hope's Path is a ministry geared at aging out foster youth who have aged out of the foster care system and don't have any uh, means of support to access uh, any type of uh, traction in their life as, uh, as they enter adulthood. Uh, they may have access to some state-sponsored benefits like free education in state schools, but you can't really go to college if you don't have a car. You can't, uh, you can't access education if you don't have a place to live, uh, if you don't, have, don't know how to get your Social Security card, things of that nature. So Hope's Path, five years ago, a group of folks teamed up to, to uh, get this thing started. And uh, about three years ago, we were fortunate enough to work, we were able to uh, acquire a large home in spring right off of a... Rayford Road, uh, a lot, about a 10,000 square foot house that was just in much disrepair. Uh, it was an electrical company downstairs and the people lived upstairs. It was just a bombed out house. But with a partnership of some companies and construction companies and just good, generous people, about probably a million plus dollars, $1.2 million went into renovating, acquiring and renovating this house that's capable of housing about 
11 young men. Uh, it's got a, an apartment for a house mom. It's got administrative offices in the front. And uh, completely paid for, uh, no debt. And uh, right now we have about five guys in the house. Uh, Renzel, why don't you stand up? Renzel is one of our awesome <laughs> interns there now. I'll just tell you very quickly about Renzel. Renzel has been at Hope's Path for about a year and a half, and he had a desire to own his own business. See, these people, these young people have aspirations and desires too. They want to have businesses and jobs just like we do. But many of them, when they age out of foster care with no support, they don't get jobs. They don't get, they don't have churches that they get involved with. They wind up, they wind up in under a bridge or in drugs, alcohol, abuse, crime, prostitution, and, and that sort of thing. Renzel, as I said, has uh, been with us for about a year and a half, and uh, his desire was to have his own business, a trucking business. He wants to have his own rig one day. Through perseverance, he's had several jobs while he's worked, several jobs at the same time, while he's worked at our and lived at our home, and uh, learning things in our program like budgeting, uh, Christian, you know, discipleship, mentoring, uh, uh, things of, uh, you know, uh, uh, how to cook, <laughs> clean, wash his clothes, keep his room neat. All the things our kids learn that these guys never get a chance to really learn because they don't have a mom and dad like a lot of our kids have. So at any rate, uh, Renzel now is uh, starting a brand new job where he will have training. He's persevered and gotten his CDL. And uh, he starts tomorrow with a trucking company where he'll learn to drive around the lower 48. Amen. And uh, I will, Renzel will own his own $100,000 plus truck within the next five to seven years, I believe. And he'll have his own business. And it, and a lot of it, when he looks back, he'll say it's because of Hope's Path. We don't take any credit. Hope's Path is a God thing. God did it. And God just used people who were willing to just kind of step one foot in front of another. And we had no idea where we were going, as Jay can t attest. But God took us by the hand, and he's still taking us by the hand. So it's been a, it's been a glorious thing to see. Craig, I don't know if you know this or not, but how many would you estimate how, how many kids come out of foster care each month in Texas, turn 18, and they don't have any place to go? Foster families are done. And do you, do you have an estimate? How, how well, I think annually it's thousands across Montgomery County and the state. But at least in Montgomery County, several every month and into the thousand-plus range possibly every year. Wow. So it's, it's, a, it's a big need. And it's th this age group is sort of the the law, the, the big forgotten group. Yeah. People love uh, geriatric care. They love to go to old folks' homes. People love college ministries. People love high school and junior high ministries and l little kid ministries, you know, ch children's church. But when you get 18, everybody figures, okay, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and hit the road. And you're an adult now. But when you've never had any type of nurturing, any type of mentorship, any type of parental guidance, I mean, you are just literally walking off a cliff. Yeah. And so Hope's Path is that catch basin, but it's more than a catch basin. 
It's a program, a stringent program, and these guys will attest to it. It takes them usually about eight months to, to a, almost a year to really realize, okay, this is just not a handout place. This is not a place where I just come and get a bologna sandwich and a, and a bed to sleep. It's a wonderful home environment where volunteers come, they cook, they mentor, they hang out with the guys, uh, and the guys get to know one another. We promote uh, godly Christian culture, teamwork in the house. It's a wonderful place. And I would invite every single person here to come visit us, and, and it will capture your heart. So that brings me to the last question, Craig, and that is somebody sitting out there saying, I want to help a Renzel. Uh, what's, what's one or two things that somebody could do, hands-on, get involved with Hope's Path? That's a good question. Uh, we need volunteers all the time. There's always something to be done at the house where the young guys are involved. Uh, there's uh, work days. Uh, there's mentors that we need to fill slots for for these young men. We have pro, uh, the, one of our, pro, our mentor program, which bolts on to our, our internship program. By the way, we call these young men interns because they're interning for life. Um, so we need mentors. We give them a mentor, a mentor team so they actually have two or three, maybe four people that they can meet with and bounce things off of. They have a lead mentor who they interact with on a regular basis. And then, uh, but a mentor team, a PR team is what we call them, where they'll be able to access advice uh, and just, just uh, uh, correction, uh, just anything that a, a young man would need to get started in life. So volunteerism is huge. Obviously, like every nonprofit, uh, we need generous people to give uh, if you feel led to give uh, to, a, to a ministry like this. Uh, our budget is probably in the eighteen dollars to $20,000 a month. And we, at the end of the year, somehow we make it. And it's another God thing. So as God puts it on people's hearts, they give. So being a volunteer in whatever capacity. We have folks that come over every Friday night and cook and show these guys new meals, how to cook, because that's one of the things they have to learn how to do. They're all tasked with cooking one of the nights uh, during the week. And then over the weekend, volunteers come and hang out. and It's just uh, a community effort. And the church has, stood, has, has really stepped up uh, in a real practical way. I will say this one last thing. It's a great program, it's a, an unbelievable facility, and you'd be impressed with the house, especially the miracle that God did to bring it about. Uh, but when you ask these young men, what is it about Hope's Path, every time they'll talk about the people who touched their lives. So volunteerism, being involved, getting in at the, groups, the grassroots level is really a rewarding thing for us and we get just as much out of it as they do, if not more. But it helps give them guidance, confidence, and the help they need. Amen. 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 We thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Craig. Appreciate, Appreciate you. you. Craig, I don't know if you know this, but the guy sitting right across the aisle from you right there, uh, Jose Olivares, um, had a program in Jose's business. Jose has Conroe Tile Works. And he said, I'm looking for either high school guys or college guys that want to learn a trade. 
and one of the young men that came to Hope's Path was looking for a, um, uh, a job. And I think I talked to Loretta. I called Loretta. So Loretta got this business guy in our church. In fact, he's the chairman of our deacons, and he has this program of uh, internship for young guys. He came on. He's working, and he's working now for Jose as uh, uh, in the tile business. So it's, it's a wonderful thing. All right, we have a second minister. I don't really need to introduce this lady to most of you, Candace Dennis. Candace is one of our own. Yeah, give her a hoop. And uh, before we talk about uh, the ministry that you're representing today, Candace also is the director of our special needs ministry. And we don't have time to tell the story today about that, but that is a God story. And uh, so today there are special needs kids and youth and adults that are ministered to through Discover Ministry. But you're here to talk about... Uh, another ministry, Candice, is dear to your heart. So, Hug and Grangu. So, yes. tell our folks what is Hug? So, Hug is Hand Up Mission Market. Um, and basically, there's two components to Hug. The first being job creation. Uh, we make some very beautiful jewelry. Um, we believe that uh, people should have the opportunity to earn a fair wage, to receive a hand up in life and not a handout. And the second component, though, to Hug is our transition program for the um, young men that are aging out of our partner organization, Grangu, they have a foster home in Haiti. And so we partner with them to provide a two-year transition program for these young men that are aging out. Men. And so what are some of the kind of things that you help these young men do? And, and tell them especially about what's out there and, and there's handmade stuff and all yes. that. So in our transition program, like I said, it's a two-year program. Um, we offer housing. We meet their basic physical needs first, um, housing, food, medical care. But beyond that, um, we provide a means for them to finish their education. Um, many of these young men are still finishing high school because they didn't even enter the orphanage and formal schooling until later in life. Um, we offer opportunities for trade school. And then... Um, some of these young men will work as artisans. They'll be apprentices with us at HUG um, and then later become artisans to make our jewelry. So we provide a way for them to finish their education. We provide financial literacy program. When that's completed, they have the opportunity to apply for what we call a microloan. Right now in Haiti, there's not that much um, publicity about it in the States, but it's in a state of civil unrest. And so even if you do have a job, you never know if that job's going to open or if you can even physically get there. So microloans is a way for our young men to, ha to have an income. And basically they sell like cell phone minutes or drinks on the street, um, those kind of businesses. And then lastly, we provide um, spiritual discipleship. And right now in Haiti, um, the odds of coming out of an orphanage at 18 and not ending up on the streets in a gang or on drugs um, it's very slim, that um, just the statistics are staggering. And so our goal is to prevent orphan creation. It's a cyclical process because um, most of the orphans in Haiti are poverty orphans, meaning that, you know, the parents just can't afford. And so if we are not providing the spiritual discipleship that these young men need to stop this endless cycle, it's just never going to stop. So spiritual discipleship, we walk alongside Haitian churches, um, we help support the churches and enable them to disciple these young men to become, you know, followers of Christ. Amen. 
And so, uh, Candace, the same way I asked Craig, what, what's a couple of things, if somebody out there says, you know what, I want, I want to help in Huck or Grongo, what can I do? We have lots of ways to help. Um, first of all, shopping. We have um, some of our um, goods out there for you to purchase. All the proceeds go back into our programming. Um, while we would love for our proceeds to cover our programming costs, they don't. Um, like I said, there's a lot of civil unrest. We have product that's been sitting in port in Haiti that we can't get out. We have supplies we can't get in. Um, so we can't sell the volume we need to cover um, our costs. But your purchase does create jobs, which is so important. And it does go back into our programming. Second thing you can do is donate. Um, we can, I guess we don't have the image on the thing. We have a couple of ways to donate. You can, uh, what we call text to donate, and I can give you that number if you want to write it down. The text is 41444, so that's 41444, and then on the message you just put HUG2020, H-U-G-G-2020, and then once you do that you'll get a message back and it'll prompt you how to go in and put your credit card information to do a donation. So you can do a one-time donation for that. Um, and then we also have opportunities for sponsorship. So we have currently 17 young men living in our transition apartment. Every year we get about four or five, and you know, they rotate out after two years. So it's an ongoing need, but it costs around $230 a month per teen in our program to cover all of their programming costs. So you can do a sponsorship. We have uh, leaves outside with the uh, teen's name on it and a photo. You can choose to sponsor one of those. You just fill out a form, tell us how you want to do it. You can do it, you know, $40 a month will cover education. $60 a month will cover um, the discipleship training. Another 40 is trade school. So there's lots of opportunities that you can do that. And then lastly, you can help our partner organization, Grangu, because they are um, in the midst of all the crisis they still have children that need sponsorships. They have about 65 kids total. But they have daily women coming to their doors and saying, please take my children. I can't feed them. And so they are starting a feeding program to kind of help until the civil unrest settles a bit. Um, and so they need help as well financially um, just because they're diverting some of their budget to the feeding program now. So there's sponsorships available for those kiddos. And those sponsorships are always fun because you get pictures and updated stories and um, just to see what your little kid over there is doing. Amen. Thank you, Candace, so much. Thank you. So this brings us to the last thing that I want to say today is what do we do about all this? I mean, we hear there's a great need. We see there's a great need, uh, but what do we do about it? Well, the fact is you and I are God's instruments of rescue. You are the church and God calls us to be involved. And so how do we do that? How do we get involved and how do, how do the rescued become rescuers? Well, I've said this before. And so let me preface what I'm about to say with, with this is that no one can do everything. There is a vast array of needs out there. Not everybody can adopt a child or not everybody can foster a child. I understand that. But everybody can do something. And so 
How do we apply this message? I heard a long time ago when I was in seminary preaching class that preaching without application is just a lot of hot air. So I'm going to give you some application that you can do this morning. You can do it before you ever leave the building. You can do it after you get home. But let me give you a couple of, a few ideas of application. Number one, you heard about these young men in Haiti that are trying, they're doing this job. They're making handmade jewelry and Christmas ornaments that you can see out there. Uh, you, can, you can support uh, one of them, either fully or partially. You can sponsor one of them. You can shop. You can go out there and buy stuff this morning. It's good-looking stuff. Christmas is right around the corner. You can help take care of some of that stuff uh, this morning. You can sponsor an orphan in Grangu, and you can go see some of those pictures of those children this morning. You can volunteer at Hope's Path. You can go. And by the way, uh, they, I know some of you may say, man, I, I don't want to. I don't want to mentor one of these kids. I may mess them up. Well, I, a few of you, I think, probably would, might, maybe, you know, but <laughs> most of you would be a great influence on these young men. But they also need, you know, volunteers to cut grass. To, there's always things that are needing fixing. And if you're a handyman or handywoman, they can, they can use that kind of help. You can volunteer out there. You can go teach them how to cook fried chicken or mashed potatoes and gravy or something like that. I guarantee you there are hundreds of volunteer opportunities. You can mentor one of these young guys and uh, just be an influence in their life. Get a pizza and take it out there one night. Have, sit down and have dinner with them and talk about what's going on in their life. There's also another opportunity that we have in the foyer in that big room to the left that you can adopt a foster child that's in Montgomery County today. We have some foster a child Christmas trees that are on a bigger Christmas tree. And uh, you can go in and we ask everybody to take only one. There are about 25 left. We only got 50 um, trees to begin with. Uh, and I even forgot to tell the first service group about this, but they've already taken about half of them. So there's probably about 25 foster kids' names on a little Christmas tree out there. And we ask you to only take one because we have a limited number. Uh, and, uh, and limit the amount of, uh, the, take, you're taking care of Christmas for that child. And uh, we ask you to limit to a total of $100. So you say, I, I want to buy a, a foster child's Christmas for him or her. Go get one of those little Christmas trees off of the bigger tree and, uh, and get their Christmas. We may run out of that. And so we also have some little cards that say, you know what, um, I, can't, I can't get a Christmas tree to foster a child, but I can bless a foster family. So we have these little foster family blessing cards. You take one of these, and here's what you do. You get a, a $50 general gift card, like a Visa card, and a $20 restaurant card, you know, at Applebee's or wherever. Put those in a Christmas card. And just write them a little note if you'd like to. And uh, these are going to be given to families who foster kids. Because many times these families struggle with taking care of their own kids. And they're trying to foster these kids. And uh, it's more expensive than what you think. And this is a way that you can be a blessing to that family who is fostering some other kids. Maybe you might consider becoming a foster parent. We have a number of families in our church 
that do that or a foster aid family so that you become a babysitter for them. They can't just take their kids, foster kids, and drop them off at, at, you know, at one of our teens' houses and say, take care of them. We're going on a date, and we'll pay you when we get back. Uh, you have to be specially prepared to be able to do that. Maybe some of you are sitting here this morning and God is tugging at your heart about adopting a child. And there's information in, in the foyer about that today. Everybody can't do everything. Nobody can do everything. But everybody can do something. Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. West Conroe Baptist Church is located at 1855 Longmire Road in Conroe, Texas. You can join us live every Sunday at either 8 or 11 a.m. in our main worship center or on our YouTube live stream. For information, sermons, events, and more, please visit our website at wcbc.us.